You know, it's, uh, it's always fun this time of the year just to celebrate Christmas in different ways. And for many of you today, it's, it's coming together as families. We're really glad to see you all here at Hope Church. And uh, we're excited for what God has in store for us today, but also as we look ahead. We recognize that soon we're going to turn a calendar and we're going to begin to pursue another journey that God has for us in this new year. So welcome. We're glad you're here. I'm Mike. I'm the pastor here. And uh, I'd love to introduce you to my wife, but she's already in Texas. She already bolted. So she's home for Christmas. And uh, I'm leaving Tuesday to go, go be with her and with our family. So uh, glad you're here. Hey, if you brought your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up today. We're going to jump into this uh, sermon. If you could uh, bring me down a little bit on the mic there, guys. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a little echoey. Luke chapter 2. Is, is where we're going to, to focus this morning. I'm so proud of our kids, aren't you? So proud of those that serve with our kids' ministry, and uh, God's been doing some amazing things in that area, and we just want to thank you again. I want to thank you also, guys. Listen, what a great year. Uh, this feels a little strange. This is our last service at Hope for the year. We're not having service next, next Sunday. Some, some have asked me, said, well, Mike, why don't we have a Christmas Eve service? Well, uh, we are meeting in a public high school, and that is a, an official state holiday. And because of that, their employees can't be here. And we can't be here unless their employees are here, so no Christmas Eve service. And the reason we're not having service next Sunday is, uh, I'm no doubt people will be here, but it takes about 30 of the, of the core team here to make this happen on Sundays, and the vast majority of that team is from somewhere else, and they're all going home for Christmas. And so we've just learned to say, you know what, let's take that Sunday. If you want to bless another congregation that Sunday or spend time with your family, whatever you do. Take time and honor God, amen? Take time and bless the Lord that day together, and we will see you in the new year. We've been in a series the last couple of weeks called Fear Not, and what we've been doing is we've been examining the appearances of the angels in the Christmas story, because there was something very unique about their appearances. It seemed that every time they appeared to, to Mary or Joseph, or today we're going to look at the shepherds, they always had that, that phrase that, that is so important to the Christmas story, and that is, fear not. And we've been talking about how that God wants us to know how to overcome the things that in life may seem to separate us from each other and separate us from Him because of fears that we may have. We looked at the first week about how that we're not to fear what God may want in our lives. We're not to fear that if we get close to Him, He may have an expectation of us that is beyond what we think we can do or bear. As we looked at the story of Mary when she said, Lord, I'm your servant. Let it, let it be done according to your will as she received the news of the birth of the Savior. Last week, we looked at the, at the understanding of how God doesn't want us to fear the opinions of others. Aren't you glad we don't have to live our lives based on the opinions of others? Can I get an amen to that? Because you can't please everybody all the time. Would we agree? And uh, Joseph had to learn that in a big way because he chose to take Mary as, as his wife even when so many would have, would have created such a furor over what was going on in their lives. But he trusted God. We've got to trust God in our lives because sometimes it's the things that God asks us to do, little small things, can create extraordinary opportunities for God to be glorified for people to come to know Him. But we can't fear man if we do that. And this morning what we're going to look at is, is the fear that uh, the angel speaks to those that are called the shepherds. And we want to talk about today how not to fear where we stand before God. How, how not to fear where we stand before God. I, I don't know about you, but... Uh, you know, as, as, as we walk through life, there are times where we wonder what God thinks about us. 
If you're a believer, or maybe you're someone that just, uh, as you go through your life, you kind of wonder what's going to happen at the end of it. There, there can be this fear of how do we really measure up? How do we, how do we stand before God? And I, I want to share some good news today with you because the story of the angel with the shepherds addresses that very thing. And uh, it is important to us to see ourselves through God's eyes. I, I grew up in a, in a little country church. Can anybody give a witness to a little country church this morning, right? And, and one of the things that in that church was is that from time to time, I, I think unintentionally, uh, the message came off with sometimes some, I think, pretty poor theology. And I grew up as a young man always not knowing where I stood with God because it seemed like everything that was taught there was based on what I do for God how I behave or how I act or what I do, what I don't do. And, and I live with this, this total fear of God. I never know whether you really love me or not. And I'm so thankful that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ teaches us that we can know where we stand with God. And it's not based on what we do. It's based on what he's done. And that's the, that's the message of the Christmas story. So let's pray together and let's let God speak to us out of his word this morning. Father, God, I'm so thankful for everyone here today, God. I'm thankful, God, that we can have fun, God, and rejoice with our with our kids even this morning, God, and just the exuberance of, of being up here, God. God, we know that, that I, I trust, that puts a smile on your face, God, it does to us. And God, I, I thank you, Lord, that in every one of these lives, God, Father, you make yourself known to us. God, we sometimes forget, God, even in the smallest child, God, you make yourself known to them, God. And Father, we pray your will be done in their lives. So Lord, help us, help us to open our lives, help us to open our ears to hear, God, our hearts to respond, and God, let your words speak deeply into our lives today. God, I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Probably the most classic passage of the Christmas story. Uh, this will date me of my generation, but I can't read this without hearing Linus from the Peanuts uh, standing on the stage uh, speaking the same words. So if you want to put his voice in your ear instead of mine, I think it will have the same effect. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Now, now we mostly know the classic of that. In the old King James Version of the Bible, it would say, fear not. But, it, but in my version, it says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. You know, that's what the gospel is. It means good news. There is something that God has given to us that really is good news for the world. He says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. For today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. There's the good news. He says, today I bring you good news. Fear not, a Savior has been born to you. Now, I, I like the stories of angels. You know, we, we sang about them this morning. I always wondered what a herald angel was growing up. I knew a herald, he wasn't an angel. And I always wondered, what the, what's the deal with the hark, the herald angels? But really what it was speaking of is that in that day, in that culture, if you were having a baby and you were maybe a family of a little bit of wealth, you would, you would hire a herald. And he would go out into the community and he would proclaim the good news that a child was coming to your family. Now, if you were having a boy in that time, sorry, ladies, if you were having a boy in that time, uh, you, you, you'd pay the big bucks, right? you get the, the main herald to come out and say, we've got a boy coming into the field household because now the name is going to be extended, the family is going to be extended, and it's a symbol of God's blessing on their lives. So no wonder God chose to send these angels to herald the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. But when you read the story, you ask yourself, like, why, why shepherds? Why would, why would God proclaim the birth of Christ to a bunch of shepherds? I mean, think about it. If you were and I, we would probably do it differently, wouldn't we? 
If we were having the, the Messiah, the Son of God, coming to this earth, we might send the angels to the royalty, you know, to the, the ones in power, the ones in charge, and we would want to proclaim there because, after all, they were important people, right? Or maybe we would even send them to the religious leaders, and we would say, okay, let's go to the church. Let's find the biggest church we can find. Let's send the angels there, freak everybody out, and say, today, in the city of David, a child is born. He is the Messiah, the Son of God. But that's not what God did, did he? He didn't send the herald angels to the royalty or the religious leaders. Instead, he sent the angels to make this announcement to some shepherds. And we all say, of course he sent them to shepherds because the nativity scene we have at home has shepherds in it, so that makes sense, right? But yet the shepherds were probably the least likely people that God would ever send an announcement to. Why? Because they were the most disrespected people in the community at that time. They, they were so bad off that literally if, a, if the job of a shepherd was going to be part of a family, the father would try his best to make sure it was the youngest son that was the shepherd because after all, it couldn't be the firstborn. In fact, they would prefer if it was a slave because the shepherds were, were seen as these uneducated uh, folks that had no possibility of advancement in their lives. But yet that's who God sent the announcement to, to send the, the message of the birth of Jesus Christ. In fact, it's interesting when you, you go back and you study the religious system of that day in Judaism, the shepherds were considered unclean. In fact, they were, they were considered outcasts by the church. They, they were almost untouchable because of the nature of the job that they did. If you think about it, the, the religious leaders taught that the shepherds were never going to be good enough for God. They were never going to be able to hold up the standard because the very work they did prohibited them from following the law and being in the temple and worshiping God. So here again, here's these shepherds that man had rejected, but also religion rejected. It's no wonder that the shepherds might be concerned about where they stood before God. It's no wonder that they might have worried about what their place was in God's plan, even though the angels came to say, fear not, a Savior has been born. I think there's three reasons this morning why the shepherds may have felt distant from God, and I think we can all relate to these if we are honest with ourselves this morning. I think, first of all, the shepherds struggled with that, uh, that, that feeling of being unworthy. They, they were unworthy to, to receive this message. They were outcasts in Israel. They were taught, literally, they were taught specifically, you're not good enough for religion. You're not good enough for God, because they were nomads. I mean, they were, they were people that followed the herd, Right? They, 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 they followed the sheep. They took care of them. They were kind of like the, the modern-day truckers. They would, they would leave, and they'd be gone for 10 days or a month or two months, and, and they would be out there following the herd. And because of that, they couldn't participate in the religious ceremonies of that day. So again, they considered themselves, or they were considered, unclean. But not only that, they were, they were considered not just physically, but spiritually unclean. Think about it. Who did they hang out with? They hung out with sheep, right? Do you think they might have stunk a little bit after about a month or two? All right? I mean, there were no truck stops in those days, right? No, no 50-cent showers. They were, they were just out with a herd, and they came in, and the people considered them physically dirty, but the religious leaders proclaimed them spiritually dirty, so much so that a religious person could not touch the body of a shepherd because by touching them, they'd be considered unclean, unworthy, and not able to worship God. So you can imagine how difficult it was for the, for the shepherds to feel worthy of this proclamation. Because in reality, that, that, that feeling kept them far from God. And it's the same reality you and I face today because every one of us from time to time can feel unworthy of what God has done for us. We can feel unworthy of, of what God has offered to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And it's particularly hard sometimes this time of the year when we even come and gather like we do because we, we, we look around us and 
<laughs> we look at everybody on Sunday, on Christmas Sunday, and they say, man, they look good. They, they look like they've got it all together. Man, they, they, they look like they ought to be here. But if they really knew what was going on in my heart, in my mind, if they really knew what was happening in my life, I might not even be welcome here. And we feel that, that tension of being unworthy. We've got to be careful when we look around because so often we think about ourselves and we recognize the humanity, that the good things we know that we ought to be doing, guess what? Sometimes we don't do those, right? And, and the things we should not be doing, that's sometimes where we find ourselves living at. And, and if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in this feeling of unworthiness that we can't even receive what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. So just like the shepherds, there are times we've got to push back. We've got to push back from our own story and recognize that God sent a Savior for all of us. So not only did they feel unworthy, I think there was a second thing they may have struggled with that I think is common today. And that is they may have felt inadequate. They were, they were inadequate to really be someone that God would use in their lives. They were uneducated, so they never felt like they measured up in society. You know, comparison is a bad thing, isn't it? it, it comparison will just take you out. I mean, lady, ladies, I think you, you'll, you'll appreciate this. So, so you go over to visit a friend's house, right? And you didn't know that she was the poster child of Southern Living. Can I get an amen? And you walk in, and everything is just like perfect. And the floors are clean, right? And she looks like she's dressed up for the dinner party, and her hair is all combed. And I mean, it, you, it smells like lilac in the house. And then you're thinking, in your house, you don't even know what kind of floors you have because they're covered with all kinds of stuff. And you're not even worried about the smell. It smells like dirty laundry. It smells like your husband and your kids. And, and, and much less a comb, a brush. It hadn't touched your hair or your kid's hair in 10 months. You're like, how can, I, how can I measure up to that? I mean, it's no fun. Because I'll never, I'll never be that because you weren't made that way. Listen, there's times when comparisons in life just make us all feel inadequate. And when the, sheriff, when the shepherds compared themselves to the religious crowd, they, they just didn't measure up. I mean, after all, one of the greatest commandments was the keeping of the Sabbath, that there would be a day of rest in their lives, that they would take time away from their work and honor God by resting, <laughs> the, the greatest commandment we break the most today. But, but the, the shepherds were 24-7. They, they got no break. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't move away from what they were doing to, to, to move closer to God and spend that time. So the very nature of the Sabbath, they broke all the time. And they, that inadequacy would keep them far from God, and yet God came to them that day. You know, I think sometimes we struggle with that inadequacy in our own lives. We, we look around at other people and we're like, oh man, they seem so close to God. Man, I wish I had their prayer life. Oh, they've got a, they've got a scripture verse for everything. I mean, they even quote the books of the Bible. I didn't even know that book was in the Bible, right? And, and we struggle with that. I've got pastor friends I don't like hanging around with because they're like walking Bibles, all right? I don't know what's the deal up here, but somehow, man, they just like, they get, I think they just somehow God just implanted on I'm thinking like Billy Graham. The Bible says, have you ever noticed that Billy Graham? He is so awesome with that. He doesn't give you a chapter verse. He's like, the Bible says, I like Billy Graham. But I've got friends that are like Zephaniah 2.21 says, oh wait, Zepha who? <laughs> oh yeah, one year Bible, I came across Zephaniah. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. We, we can struggle. We're like, God, help us. Lord, they, they, these people are so spiritual. And the last time I prayed was in the mall this week. And I said, God, help me not kill that person that took my, my parking spot. We feel inadequate. We're, we're, we're taken back by our own humanity, and sometimes we feel like God would not send his son for us because like the shepherds, we can feel unworthy, we can feel inadequate, but I also think the shepherds dealt with something that I think is too prominent in, in our culture today, and that is that I think they felt unloved. I really do. I think they felt unloved. They were, can you imagine coming back to town, everybody's shunning you, don't touch them. 
<laughs> Don't go near them because they'll make you unclean. But not only that, the society of that time considered shepherds to be all thieves, whether they were thieves or not. They, they branded them with a, with a preconditioned thought that they were going to be thieves, so much so that a shepherd was never allowed to, testimo- to, to testify in a court case because society knew you just couldn't trust them. I mean, like that, that moniker, right? I mean, they were, they were totally unloved. If they wanted to get married, no father would bless his daughter to a shepherd. You know, it's like, really? He has no future. He has no hope. Go ahead and marry into the... No, they would not even want their daughter to marry someone who was a shepherd. So there was this feeling of, of unworthiness, of inadequacy, but also of being unloved. And sometimes today, we've got to admit, we can struggle with that because we take the things of life, which are, which are hard, and we try to bring them into our, our understanding of God, and we, we kind of put God off skew because we think if, if someone on this earth doesn't love us, how could God love us? And yet many people battle that. You grew up as a child, and the family broke apart, and you're like, how, how could one of my parents leave? And you, you struggle with that, what did I do? Or maybe you come to holidays like this, and, 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 and there used to be a spouse next to you, and you're like, well, why? why? Why did they leave? And we feel like, God, if, if people leave us, then God, how can we trust that you're not going to leave us? And, and because of that, we, we may struggle with receiving that good news message of what God did through us through Jesus Christ. Here's something I want you to understand. Perception is not reality in the kingdom of God, all right? Perception is not reality, and in church we have to be careful about this because we look around us sometimes and we, we look and we, we peg families, we're like, oh, then they've got it together. They've got it together. Do you know what he does for a living? Oh, I've seen their house, I've seen their car, you know, man, they, they, they've got it together. When you have no idea the pain and the brokenness that are inside of people. You could be sitting next to someone today and you're praying, oh God, I just wish I could measure up to them. And I can tell you right now, you may, you, if you really knew what was happening inside, you would never want to change your life with theirs. You would never want to take on their burden or their, their cares. Why? Because we judge things on the outside. But aren't we glad that God looks in the heart? Amen? So we've got to be careful that we don't really get that, that perception and make it reality because if we do, we're going to be just like the shepherds. We're going to feel distant because we are unworthy or inadequate or we feel unloved. Here's the bottom line to this story, guys, and it's simply this. Religion did not work for the shepherds, and religion does not work for you and I today. It just doesn't work. It made them feel even more distant from God because it wasn't about the relationship. It was about what they could do or not do. Here's what you need to understand this morning in the message of the Christmas story, and that is this, is that God did not send Jesus into this world to bring us religion, and aren't you thankful for that? You're like, wait a minute, you're a pastor, we're a church, aren't we, aren't we religious? Some of us are, some more than others. But Christ never came to start a religion. He came to bring us a relationship that would close the gap between us and God so that through him we could come and though we feel unworthy, inadequate, and loved, we can receive his love, we can receive his life, and we can receive his salvation. Church, there's good news in that. There is good news in that. There's so many ways that Christ came to break us free from religion and to give us something better because the problem with religion is, is religion breaks everything down into do's and don'ts, right? No joke, growing up, little church, we had membership cards, okay? Some of you are, you're going to smile, you know what I'm talking about. And on the membership card, it, it, it would turn it over and it said nothing about what we believed, but it said everything about what we agreed not to do. I won't go to the movies. I won't drink. I won't dance. I want to write on there, I'll have no fun. I mean, it was just like everything about it's like, why would anybody ever want to join this church, right? And, and yet people did. And I'm like, what's wrong with y'all? Because it was all about what we don't do. Because after all, don't you know, if you don't do those things, that makes you 
worthy, right? Makes you adequate. Makes you lovable. But yet Christ came and said, that's not it. That's not at all. That's not, it, it has nothing to do with it. Because reality, when you start living your life based on what you do, here's what happens. If I do the right things this week, I feel close to God, right? If I do the right things, I feel like I can show up and sing and, and rejoice. But if I've had a rough week and maybe I've done some things that I'm not proud of or thought some things that I'm really not proud of, then I feel bad. I'm like, you know what, i got to push away. I can't even come close to God. And, and even worse, we compare our, our bad to everybody else. And we say, I know I'm bad, but if my bad is not as bad as your bad, then I have the right to judge you and look down on you because after all, I am more holy and righteous than you are. Jesus Christ came and he said, that makes me want to puke. <laughs> that, that just makes me want to puke. Because the moment we think we're righteous based on someone else's righteousness, we've missed the whole boat. We've missed the whole message. Even Jesus, when he came to the religious rulers of that day, he said, you are so focused on the outside, you just don't get it. In fact, you made it so hard for others that you can't even enter in. He says, you're like a whitewashed tomb. He said, you look good on the outside, but inside you're just filthy, dead, decaying bones because there's nothing good right in here. See, church, God didn't send his son to judge the outside. He sent his son to give us life that emanates from the inside, that comes from a pure heart, a heart that is given to him, that recognizes his supremacy over our lives. And because of that, he calls us to this good news. You see, religion didn't work for the shepherds, and it doesn't work for us because Christianity was never meant to be this religion. It was meant to be a relationship with God, and that's why God sent a person to, our, to, to be our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Word says he was tempted in every way we, every way we are. He experienced the pains of life. He experienced rejection. He experienced happiness. He celebrated at weddings. He had a good time. But he also mourned over the losses of friends. He came to relate to you and I as a person so that we can relate to our Father. And then he died on a cross to pave that way for us so we could receive the Lord to our lives. So how does this apply? How does the, the story of the shepherds apply to us today? I want you to, to write this down. Take, I want you to take a couple of notes on this. And I, and I want us to jump over into a teaching in Romans chapter 3, all right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to line up with the Christmas story, so don't think we're missing that. Romans chapter 3. In fact, we're going to read verses 20 through 22. In Romans chapter 3, it was written by someone that understood what it meant to feel unworthy, inadequate, and unloved. His name was Paul. He was Saul when you early pick him up in the Bible because Saul was a religious man. In fact, he was trained in the very religion that condemned the shepherds. He was trained in all the, all the laws that were there to keep, uh, that somehow that would take you to God. And this new thing called Christianity, this new followers of Jesus, the people that were called the way, he, he set out to stamp them out. That Paul was a murderer. Paul's greatest joy was the killing the, the early Christians. He was going out to persecute those who said they would follow Christ, and yet he had an encounter with God that knocked him off his donkey, blinded him, changed his life, and now we know him as the Apostle Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament after Luke. And Paul here is speaking to the church at Rome, and he's saying something that to me is the most succinct version of the good news you'll ever find in the Bible. It's certainly one of the most important, so read this with me. It says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. That, that deserves a praise God right there, all right? For the law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. 
Po poke your neighbor and say, that means you, okay? Would you do that real quick? Because that, that is, no matter who you are, this is the crux of the good news. So let's break it down. We're going to break it down over the next few moments, and I want you to, 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 I want you to hear this, I want you to get it inside of you, all right? First thing, when you read this, you need to understand, you cannot, cannot earn God's favor or acceptance by observing the law. You just can't do it. <laughs> On your best day, you can't be good enough. Would you agree with that? I, I, know, I know myself. On my best day, I, I fall short of the glory of God. You, you cannot earn God's acceptance by observing the law. Verse 20, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. I mean, this, this is good news. And can you imagine the good news to the shepherds? They're living in a day where the religious leaders took the, the law that was given to Moses on, the, on, on Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, and somehow they, they turned those into 619 requirements that you had to be able to meet to be considered worthy of honoring God with your life. 613, sorry, 613. Think about it. They took 10, made it 613. I mean, we are so privileged we live this side of the cross. Because when Christ came, he said, you know what? I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law, and I can give it to you now in two statements. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And guess what? We have a hard time with those two, don't we? They had 613. We can't get two right all the time. Love God and love people. So they're trying to obey these 613 laws, and they physically can't do it because their occupation prohibited. So why do we have the law to begin with then? So if I cannot be made right by the law, then why, why, why do we even have the law? And that's the second point I want you to write down. The purpose of the law is to show you you need a Savior. It's that simple. The purpose of the law is to show you your need of a Savior. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Can I tell you, this is probably one of the most important things you're going to hear in church, one of the most important things you need to get in your life today, because we, we, we approach this all wrong. Because we live in a culture today, we live in a society today, it doesn't matter what country you come from, no matter how you're brought up, that we have this fundamental flaw in our thinking, and that is that somehow we think we are actually good. <laughs> that we deserve good. But it messes everything up. You see, if I ask you this morning, how many of you think you're good? I know what we do. We kind of look around. You're like, I'm better than he is. I'm better than her. Because our good is all comparison, right? I ain't kill anybody. Been angry with your brother lately? Oh, that's a whole other sermon. I ain't committed adultery. I never slept with another man's wife. Hmm. You ever looked at somebody lustfully? Another sermon. You see, we have this perception that we're good because we compare ourselves with one another, but when we compare ourselves with one another, we're missing the standard. God never said that we compare ourselves with each other. We compare ourselves to him. We compare ourselves to his standard. And we compare ourselves to his standard, we can never measure up. And we can never fully come to that place to say, we are good enough to stand before you, God, and say, Lord, bless us. Now, I'm going to help you out here at Christmas because I don't think you believe me about this whole goodness thing. So we're going to do a little test this morning, and I want some honesty in the house, okay? We're in church, you know? And um, so, so here's what I want you to do. I, 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 we're gonna, can, can everybody raise their hand real quick? I just want to make sure your arms are working. Okay, put them down. All right. How many have ever in your life told a lie? Look around. Somebody doesn't have their hands up. Say, liar, liar, pants on fire. I mean, come on, right? 
I mean, come on. How many, honestly, have ever stolen anything in your life? Whew, I have, yeah. We're not going down that road. All right, do not raise your hands on this because I don't want any more marital counseling that I already have to do, okay? How many, do not raise your hands, <laughs> have ever looked at someone lustfully in your lives? Don't raise your hands. Please. We're not starting a fight this morning, all right? So, so think about this rationally, okay? So if you tell a lie, help me out, what are you? Okay, so if you've stolen something, what are you? And if you've looked lustfully at someone, the Bible says you are an adulterer. So basically, you've come to a church today full of lying, thieving, adulterers. Welcome to hope, right? <laughs> Welcome to hope. You're, you're in good company around this place, right? You're like, why, why, why are you doing this, man? This is Christmas. Bring the kids back up. Let them sing. You're messing with us today. Well, here's the deal. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you'll never see your need of a Savior. Period. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you'll never recognize that need of a Savior. And when you realize you need a Savior, you're going to recognize real quickly that religion can't save you. Showing up to church, being baptized, taking communion, giving in the offering, singing in the choir, those things do not save you because you can't do them enough to make up for what God did for us. So when you recognize religion can't save you, you recognize also that you need salvation not based on a system. You need salvation based on a person. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent his own son, his beloved son. He gave his life for you and I on a cross. He sent his son to be our savior. Over 2,000 years ago, a savior was born. You see, Christianity was, was never meant to be this religious system, but it was meant to be a relationship with a loving God loving us so much that he would sacrifice his only son so that you and I can have a relationship to him. So if the purpose of the law is to point us to the fact we need a Savior, then, then how are we made right with God? And that's the final question today. How are we made right with God? And the last point is simply this. Righteousness, that, that means rightness, righteousness with God comes by faith in Christ alone. It comes by faith in Christ alone. Verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. Listen, listen carefully. It's not Christ plus anything. It's not Christ plus religion. It's not Christ plus church membership. It's not Christ plus giving offering. It's not Christ plus good work. It's Christ plus nothing. It's putting our faith in Christ alone. We are made right with God, it says, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone. It's no different for anyone else. You can go to the farthest reaches of this world today, and the same message is true for everyone. It doesn't matter what tribe or family or background you came from. It doesn't matter how much of the word you can quote and talk about Zephaniah. It doesn't matter. It is, have you put faith in Christ alone? You see, the angels appeared to the shepherds, and they, they brought this great news to a people who had been rejected, to a people who felt unworthy, unloved, and inadequate, and they said to them, today... It's in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Because when you place your faith in him, then you are reconciled to God. When you place your faith in him, God no longer sees you as you are. When you put your faith in him, God no longer sees your inadequacies or your unworthiness or even your un unlovely, unloveliness, not a word, your lack of loveliness. When he sees you, what does he see? He sees Christ. 
See, I think this is the best news there is. When God looks down from heaven and he, he examines our lives, when he comes and he, he looks over us, when we put our faith in him through his son, Jesus Christ, he no longer sees us as we are, but he sees us through the righteousness of Christ. It's like he has a different lens than we have because we know ourselves too well, don't we? He has a different lens than we do because we can point out to him everything bad about us. But when he takes his lens and he looks down from heaven and he looks onto your life, you know who he sees? He doesn't see the lying, thieving adulterer sitting in Hope Church. He sees Christ, who's wrapped himself around you like a robe of righteousness. And the judgment doesn't come our way that we deserve because the judgment was already given, to, given through Christ. The punishment for sin doesn't come. The banishment, because we're not holy as he is holy, doesn't come. Why? Because all he sees is his son wrapped around us. He says, they're mine. They're mine. I love them. See, the story of the Christmas story is not a babe in a manger. The story of the Christmas story is, is God sending his son to unworthy, inadequate, unlovable people and saying, listen, you'll never be good enough on your own, but I've already taken care of that because I sent the one who is perfect and pure to die on the cross for your sin. And because of that, religion is not the path I want you to take, but it's relationship through Christ alone. You see, guys, religion is all about our own efforts, but our efforts fall short. Religion is about our own perfection, but we know ourselves we are not perfect. Religion is about what we do or don't do, but relationship is about his perfect work in us. Religion is spelled do, but relationship with Jesus is spelled done because he took care of it on the cross at Calvary. And because of that today, all of us who put our faith in him are saved from our sin, are brought into relationship with Jesus Christ, and are seen as righteous by our Heavenly Father. And that's the game changer, isn't it? That's the game changer of life because we're always going to battle that feeling of unworthiness. I do it. I'm, I, stand, I stand in the alcove before we ever hit the first song, and every Sunday I'm praying like, God, I don't know why you trust me with this word. I, I don't know why you trust me to God to speak the truth, God, because, Lord, I know myself way too well. And I battle this whole feeling of inadequacy, and I, I struggle with that loveliness sometimes of going, God, I know what I've done in my past. God, how could you even want me? But every time I feel that, the Holy Spirit just comes and reminds me, you're in Christ. You're in Christ. You're in Christ. And as long as my faith is in him, as long as I walk toward him, no matter how bad I've been, no matter how messed up we are, no matter how we feel, I'm going to read it again, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. And that's the good news, guys. That's the good news of Christmas right there. That's the good news of what Christ did for us. That no matter who we are, a Savior's been born. And all he asks is for us to put our faith and our trust in him. I want to pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads? We're going to pray. Father, I thank you. I, I, I thank you, God, just in the sheer honesty of this moment, God, that, Lord, it's overwhelming to think that, God, your love for us is that good. God, I thank you, Lord, that your gospel, God, is so sure to us, God, so, so right in your eyes, God, so hard for us to understand, God, but yet, God, through centuries and centuries, God, Lord, you've made that same offer to all who would call upon your name, who all who would have faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we're so thankful today, God, it's very humbling to recognize, God, that you, you don't have a chart, God. God, that measures how high we can jump or how fast we can run or how many scriptures we have memorized, God, or even when the last time we were in church, God. God, 
for those that have put your, our faith in your son. God, if you had a chart, God, all it would have there is a picture of us. You're beloved, God. You love us. Thank you for loving us, God. God, thank you for considering us worthy. Thank you, God, for overlooking our inadequacies, God. I just want to praise you today. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, God. I thank you that at Christmas time, God, we're called to this humble place, oh God. God, to recognize that this story is not just some fable that we can have fun around and let kids sing and dance, God, and exchange presents, but this story is the story, God, that makes life work now and in eternity. And God, I pray over your people today, God, that Lord, if there is one today that God struggles, God, with that whole thought of God being unworthy, God, Lord, I pray that the lie from the pit of hell, God, that tries to consume their thoughts, God, be broken right now in the name of Jesus. Because God, there's not a single one of us that stands worthy of what you did for us. There's not a single one of us that can stand and say, I deserve. There's not one. So God, I pray you overwhelm them with your presence right now. God, let them experience your love. God, I pray for those that may feel inadequate, God, because they keep comparing themselves to everybody else. God, I pray that, Lord, you help them to stop that, God, and to, to see that the comparison does them no good, Lord. God, we are who we are, God, and you want to use the uniqueness of us to reveal the, unique, the uniqueness of you, God, to this generation. God, let us celebrate that. God, for any of this morning that feel unloved, oh God, I pray, God, I pray, God, that that thought just goes, goes far, far from them, oh God. God, that those that are in family today, God, can celebrate, God, they are loved. God, those that may be far away, God, Lord, they're part of a, of a church family. God, those that, God, that may not have any of that, God, and may feel all alone, God, I believe this. I believe you'll reveal yourself to them this morning, God. God, you'll wrap your arms around them, God. God, you'll remind them how much you love them. So, Father, I pray this morning, oh God, in this Christmas season, God, that, Lord, we would, we would receive this good news. God, we would be like the shepherds there that day, God. We would receive the good news, God, and ultimately, God, it would lead us to sharing that good news with others. So with heads bowed and eyes closed in this Christmas service, I just want to ask you today, and it's a simple question, is your life in Christ? Is your life in Him? And I'm talking to people today that have, have confessed faith in Christ, that may have turned it into a, a works-based relationship where you're always struggling with trying to please Him. If that's you today, can you rest in the fact that He's already done everything? And your faith is what saves you by His grace, not of works, because if, if that was the case, we'd all be boastful. If that's you this morning, when we pray in just a moment, I want you to reconnect the dots with Christ and say, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to base this on how I perform. I'm going to base this on what you did for me. And there's others today I'm talking to, and maybe you're far from God, and you're, you showed up because the kids came to sing today, or maybe someone drugged you in with a promise of food afterwards. Bless them, all right? Well, you have heard the best news there is on this earth today, and that is God sent a Savior for you. And you're no different than anybody else. The way to God is not based on a journey, a pilgrimage. It's not based on an act or a gift. It's based simply on this. Do you have faith that he is who he said he is? That he did what he did on the cross for us and that he rose from the tomb on the third day? 
If you have faith in that and you proclaim him as Lord, the word says that, that you're saved. You come into relationship with God. But that beautiful word saved is more than just cleansing of sin. It is a restoring of life. That God wants to heal the brokenness that this world has brought into us. And one day, we will all celebrate him together. When we stand before him and hear, well done. Well done, good and faithful servants. So Father, help us today, God. Help us today, God, right where we are, God, just to make, make that, that, that connection to you. Would you just open your arms right where you where we sitting this morning and just right there, just make a personal altar. And as I pray over you this morning, wherever you are in this spectrum, whether you're, man, you, you've got it, you've got the whole grace thing, and man, you're just loving it, or whether you're, you're battling through the works issue and you're trying to somehow to prove your worth to God, or, or maybe you're just coming fresh to him. Wherever you are, just have that conversation right now as I pray before we go into a time of communion and worship. Father, God, I, I don't know every heart here, God. I, I don't even know every person here, God, but you do. God, you know every struggle we have, God. You, you know the thoughts that we think. God, you know the passions we have. God, I pray you help every one of us today, oh God, to take this good news, Father, and to, to, to bring it into ourself, God. God, to, to receive the grace you've given us, that gift of your son, Jesus. And God, to, to be able to walk out of here today and to walk into the Christmas celebration, God, God, free from the bondage of sin in our past and God, walking in the freedom that comes from knowing we are loved, you consider us worthy, and we are adequate in your eyes, oh God. God, we have nothing to fear. So Father, I pray even now, God, as decisions are made, God, as people decide what, what, they, what they want to do this morning, oh God. God, I pray, Lord, that we could celebrate like the heavens, God, when, when life comes to know you, Father. Whether they're here in this auditorium or listening on podcasts, God, if, if one life, God, comes to you today, Father, and says, I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord, Father, the Word says all of heaven rejoices, and we want to rejoice with them. So, Father, I ask your blessing now on each one here. God, I pray that every decision, God, there will be a public proclamation of it, God, to others. And, Father, I pray most of all that we will all learn to live in the good news of our Savior. God, I give you praise. I give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.